This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start. Hello and welcome to episode 140 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors, writers, directors, producers, filmmakers, personal finance gurus, personal fitness gurus, aerialists, choreographers, voiceover peoples, anybody from any aspect of the entertainment industry. And we package those interviews up into this podcast and stick it out there on the World Wide Webs for your listening pleasure. We are just... Two dudes with a podcast who decided to start this thing up so that we can look for the answers, not because we have all the answers. So if you would like to contribute your voice to the podcast, please shoot us an email or leave us a voicemail or find us on the internets, all the different social medias. We're all on we're on all of them. And you can get started by checking us out at our website, insideactingpodcast.com. Beautiful. And on today's episode, we have part three, the third and final part of our chat with Drea Weber, who is an amazing human being. Uh, and we go a little bit further into all of the things we were talking about, her films, her feature-length films, writing and producing, being a, a working artist, both uh, in the cinema world as well as the theatrical, as in theater world. Uh, and we also talk about fitness and just life stuff, so it's, it's more of uh, really great stuff. Um, from Drea. So make sure you guys stick around for that. Well, Trev, we've arrived. We've arrived at episode 140 and as if the podcast gods were smiling upon us in a ceremonious fashion. It is the final... We're recording this. Uh, it won't be published on this date, but we are recording this on the final day of my 20s. That's right. I was going to say, because last week you said, you know, you said, I'm going to say it because you're not going to say it, but happy birthday, Trev. And now we're just shy of two weeks later and it's your turn. <laughs> hey man, well, it, it, we're. I think uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about meeting some podcast listeners recently, and I think one of them made a joke about, uh, like, oh, of course you and Trevor are the same person, so of course your 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 birthdays are so close together. Yeah. So do you have any uh, aha moments from your from your 20s or any sort of major lessons learned from the past decade that you want to impart as you transition to your 30s? I think that I think the big one that I'm learning or I don't want to say learning that I'm that I'm discovering right now it, it is true that we are often discovering who we are in our 20s and I think the thing that I'm just that I'm that I'm transitioning into now is that 
you can spend a lot of time discovering who you are and whether that's whether you do that by partying a lot or hanging out with different groups of friends or trying out different jobs or whatever it is that's all perfect like perfect and, and anyone can do that and i wouldn't discourage anyone from from really trying anything unless it's going to hurt you like don't you know shoot up heroin for god's sake but i wouldn't discourage you know people from trying new things but i do be- i do i'm starting to think that there is a person who we believe we are meant to be the way that we engage with other humans the way that we engage with the world around us I do, I do believe that there is a person that we feel as though we're we're meant to be and what what I'm discovering over the past and a lot of it has been from you know the the training that you and I have gone to Trev and and just through discovery and conversations with uh with my girlfriend and stuff I I'm discovering that it's it's actually a choice and that we can actually choose and make choices to be that person who we believe to be and that it's never ever 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 too late to be the person that we want to be or too early or too early for that matter i'm i'm just saying that i think that it it, it takes a while to discover that the choice has always been there yeah so so like going into my 30s i'm i'm really feeling like i get to choose the person who i be you get always at any at any given point that makes yeah. sense yeah totally uh our, our our good friend tom said something to me this weekend that really uh crystallized a lot of what i've been kind of like you know thinking about these past few years especially and he said uh he said all life is practice and i just really loved that because it, it just reinforces the idea that everything we do is is uh is reinforcing a habit or a belief or, or, um, you know, some sort of outcome. Everything is reinforcing that. And then we always have the chance to shift that or change that. And if you just think that your entire life is practice that you, what practice for what, that's a whole other conversation. But mm. if your entire life is practice, that really kind of, I don't know, for me, it, it really put things in perspective and uh, that it feels more clear now in my early 30s as, as it ever has. It reminds me of uh, the fact that our lawyer or a doctor, they say you're practicing law or you're practicing medicine. Yeah. You don't actually do it. You don't, you don't actually do it for a living. I've read that, you know, up to like 80 or 90% of our actions are habitual. Like we don't even think about it. It just becomes this this rote way of, of going through our days, uh, the way we wash our hands, the way we put our clothes on, the way we cook our food and wash our dishes, the way we drive to work, you know, the, the, the kind of ingrained kind of knee jerk reactions we have when we're having conversations with people. And I think it extends to every aspect of our lives and it's really ingrained in our brains and it's, it's really efficient from an evolutionary standpoint, if you think about it. But, um, becoming conscious of those things. And like you're saying, just choosing in the moment, like I get to make me like, I am not my habits. Um, I get to take control of this. Actually, I would say I am my habits, but I get to, I get to shape them because they shape me. I think it's, I think that's, uh, one of the great secrets of life. This past month I've been every morning, I've been getting up and going through a morning routine or what I like to call a morning ritual. And that's something that I stole from Tony Schwartz who wrote uh, the power and full of the power of full engagement. 
And um, the idea is, you know, speaking of habits shaping us and us shaping habits and all that stuff, um, it's just something I've wanted to do for a long time that I've sensed would make a huge, huge difference in my day and in my life. And the first 30 days are, are tough, you know, because you're kind of you're you're going against the gravity of your habits. And so you're reshaping, literally reshaping, you know, neural synapses in your brain as you build a new habit. But once that habit becomes ingrained, it becomes automatic and then that energy and that willpower you were funneling towards creating it gets freed up again because it just becomes an automatic part of your day. So, um, you know, they say, they say 30 to 60 days or so to build a new habit. And I'm at day, what's today? The 29th? I'm at the 29th day now. And uh, I've been getting up every morning pretty early and um, going through like a, a routine. Like I drink a tall glass of water and then I, you know, do the business in the bathroom and then I make the bed and then I go out to the living room and I pop in P90X3 and I do my workout and then I make my Shakeology smoothie. And my whole day just is completely transformed by this, uh, kind of routine that I have to think about less and less. It becomes more and more of an automatic thing. And I just kind of wanted to talk about it on the show because there was, um, what was his name? This guy who used to create a lot of info products for actors. His name was Bob. He used to talk about, I used to get his newsletter and he used to talk about the idea that if you want to be successful, if you want to be successful in the industry, because he was a showrunner for years and years and made a ton of money and, you know, working in television. And he said, you know, like everybody he knew that was like, you know, really firing on all cylinders, they were all morning people. They were all people that got up and, you know, got their day started in some powerful way by, by making themselves strong or taking care of themselves, whether that was reading or meditation or a walk outside or whatever it was. And, um, I remember thinking yeah, that sounds like something that would really make a big difference in my life. So I finally got down to brass tacks and, and started doing it. And I have like an accountability thing set up with, uh, an old listener of the podcast named uh, D.T. Sheridan, and he and I check in every morning via text uh, with each other. He's on East Coast time, so his routine's three hours ahead of me, but um, it's been really great, and uh, I'm sitting here talking to you, and I've got my workout already done for the day, the bed's made, I got my Shakeology smoothie here for my breakfast, and um, it's really, it's, it's made a huge difference, and I, I just kind of wanted to put it out there that putting something together like this is, I think, a real paradigm shift. That's awesome, man. I, I, I'm, I have mad respect for you and, and anyone who, who does it. I, I don't have a routine or a habit of doing it, but I do know that every single time I, uh, get up early and get something started, I'm always so much more productive on that day. So the, the, the proof is in the pudding, even if it's not a, uh, a habit that I have yet formed. Yeah. Well, here, and here, sense. here's a little bit of a noodle bake. Brian Tracy uh, says you do have a morning routine, whether you know it or not. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That, I was like, Oh yeah. shit. Yeah. Cause you know, even just a month or two ago, my morning routine was like hitting snooze four times. Uh, and then like checking my email on my phone while I'm laying in bed and then just like being a bum about it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and I, when I realized that was my morning routine, I was like, okay, it's time to shift something. Your habits form you, but you get to choose what they are. So, you know, what are you, what are you saying to the universe with, with the habits that you have? It's like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessary for this. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting way to put it. Like it's, it's a little bit 
uh, morbid humor. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to contribute or I, I don't, I'm not good enough to contribute to these first three, four hours of sunlight. So <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay in bed, everyone. That's okay. Like Whoa. y'all go on without me. Cool. But yeah, that's, that's been the big part of my, my life recently. And it's made, it's made the biggest difference in the world I could say if there's one major thing from the past 10 years that I've implemented in my life, this would be the one. I, I would that. go so far as to say that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, uh, keep on keeping on. And once again, if you're not dead in a few months, we'll we'll check <laughs> in. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, man. So far, so good. It's becoming you're more... You're getting up early and starving yourself. Yeah. What happened when I left <laughs> L.A.? What I happened? I know. I'm, I'm trying a new uh, fasting thing now, too. I'm trying uh, the 16-8 method. So for eight hours of the day, I'm I'm eating like a normal person. Usually between like eight and f- uh, eight and what is it? eight and four or nine and five or ten and six or something like that, and then after that I just fast until the next morning, and that's actually I like that solution better. And I do that maybe five. I've been doing it like five days a week so far. Uh, I leave Los Angeles and look what happens. What happens? So should we talk about this link we got from uh, a listener and good friend of ours, Fiza? Yeah. Um, I actually saw her because she finally – I know you – she told me she saw you in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. She she went to uh, – she joined me for a, a class with TJ Romini. That's right. She said you guys did a scene together, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a trip. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really I, cool. Yeah. I loved hearing about all that. And, and, you know, she spent some time in L.A., spent some time in the Bay, and then she made her way back to New York and came and saw Heather's, and we had dinner together. And it was just, it was really cool to uh, to see her and, and, and catch up. It had been a long time. So uh, I guess she was, I guess we were just on her mind because she sent us this email. Um, and it's really interesting. Do you want to sort of give a, outline of what the what the link sure. is all about yeah so it's uh it's a blog it's a wordpress wordpress blog that's a little bit of a tongue twister uh by a casting director i believe he's in i want to say he's in new york um maybe not i guess it doesn't really matter um but it's the, the blog is called answers for actors and um the title of this piece is actors scamming actors in pay-to-play scheme and the 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 basic idea is that there's these actors acting as um um certified representation essentially and they're charging other actors uh like retainer fees and monthly cash fees to like represent them like literally like pay me 85 dollars a month and i will be your representative and i will get you the breakdowns and i will submit you and things like that and but they have like different levels so there's like a 120 dollar level which is like a premium level of service and then you can pay 150 for a another premium level service and it's it's really shady and like literally they say like oh that the 150 dollar level i will submit you up to 65 times a month um but at the 120 dollar level you only get 35 submissions a month i mean this is just bullshit and i hope that that most of our listeners out there would see something like this and smell the bullshit right away but it it blows my mind that this kind of thing happens and that people fall for it and i I just wanted to kind of i thought it'd be a great thing to talk about because and thank you Pfizer, for sending the link because it's just another one of those things where it's like 
how how do you discern between what's real and what's not? Like if we didn't know that these were run by actors impersonating legitimate representation, how would we know? I mean, obviously you don't want to pay for anything up front, but how do you know if an agent's certified or not, or a manager's um, licensed or not? Um, so what are your thoughts on this right off the bat? Well, I mean, I think you said it all already. I think that, you know, the, the, the just the paying up front thing is, is, I mean, that just doesn't, that's that's not a part of this business. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is it is shady. It, it is a part of this business because you have people who have managed to do it in a legal fashion. Uh, breakdown services. You would never be giving money to an individual in order to represent you. Like they take a percentage and and they do that for a reason because you're mutually making each other money. They they are they're they're submitting you in order to book you work so that you know you you're you're both you know you're both making money on. Um, on whatever the, the you know those projects are, paying anybody up front is just is just ridiculous. I think it's also interesting that uh, one of the things that's noted in the blog is that all they're really doing is getting you uh, black access to the black market breakdowns, which there are a lot of services out there that actually that you can pay. Uh, I, I mean, I know friends who who have done this that you can pay to get the breakdowns so that yeah. you can. Or attempt to submit yourself or just be able to kind of uh you know if you don't necessarily trust or have a good relationship with your representation you can kind of do an end around and be like hey did i get submitted for this thing that i happen to see and if you do that enough times they're going to figure it out but that's a whole other story um but yeah i and you also said something trevor that 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 i wanted to say regarding our listeners which is that I would hope that our listeners have heard us rant ab- enough about uh, scams and whatnot to be able to smell this kind of you know bullshit as you put it up front. But I, my concern is how how do we and maybe this is a question for our listeners too. How do we spread awareness about this kind of thing other than through our podcast, through blogs like this uh, casting director's blog? How do we spread awareness about this kind of thing? to enlighten or support the people that don't know like if you're forgive the term fresh off the bus from the midwest to los angeles or new york which most of us have been at some point true true absolutely absolutely if you're brand new like how do you know like how do you know how do you how do you avoid scams how do you know that you know someone's not just trying to take money from you because you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and excited and looking for any, you know, shred of potential success. Yeah. So, and I I don't know the answer to that because anyone who's listening like I, like you and I have both said, anyone who's listening to this podcast, we would hope would would be able to to smell this and 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 avoid it. But yeah. for every person that listens to this podcast, there's 10 people out there who who don't, who are fresh, who are green, who, who, who might fall for not necessarily this particular scam, but one like it. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know it it, it obviously, and you can probably hear the passion in my voice. It makes both of us really upset and, and, and angry, but I don't know. I don't know what method by which to, you know, support those people. We've, we've got our podcast and that's, one of the reasons we started it was to educate ourselves as well as other actors. So we've got that, but you know, yeah. 
<clears throat> well, my, my thoughts on that right off the bat are, I mean, I'm big on community. I think that um, paying it forward and proactively, like taking a, taking a, um, Hmm. taking an active role in creating a community and getting out there and meeting people face to face and being active with people and generous with people on online, if whether it's over Twitter or Facebook or a blog or a podcast, I think that's huge and a great way to just build up a force that, that, um, that makes sure that shit like this happens less and less. And when it does happen, it's around for like, you know, the blink of an eye before it gets shut down. Um, and that's, that's really the only way I can think about it. But I mean, cause you know, we can shout it out on our Twitter page or shit like that all we want, but I think the real power comes when we are a community of people that, um, have integrity and that, um, stand for fairness and honor and respect in the world. Um, because there's nothing more powerful than, than that. Well said, my man. All right. Sweet. So here we go, guys. Part three with the beautiful Dre Weber. Enjoy this and we'll catch you on the other side. One of the things I'm really taking away from this is is what you said in the beginning, where you said, you know, I don't see, you know, athletics and acting and aerialist work and these things and writing as as separate entities. They're all part of the soup. That's a little bit of a revelation for me. I've spent a long time in my life trying to section off or, or focusing on the conflicting aspects of like, oh, you know, I'm a competitive swimmer and I'm an actor and there's no way they can coexist. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Well, how about I do what Dre did and write a film about swimming? <laughs> how about yes? How about that? Yeah. How yeah. about that? Because they do. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. For years, I was like, I can't tell anyone I'm a gymnast. In yeah. the, I can't tell uh, the artistic director of the Shakespeare Company that I want to be a part of that I'm a gymnast, because mm-hmm. then they won't cast me as Hermione or this. I'll get cast as the village, you know. Whatever dancer, <laughs> they so can't funny. know. We think we've got to be these amorphous blank slates, yeah. And that's that's the opposite of what people want. Yeah. They want to be able to look at you and say, like, "Oh, I know exactly." Now that you mm-hmm. do, I know all these things about mm-hmm. you. I know exactly where to put you. Somebody, I know exactly what to do with you. Yeah, because of your specificity. Yeah, because yeah. you have that background. I had somebody tell me once, "Okay, so you and a thousand other women audition for a role, and you're all attractive. Say that that's just true, just because that's the industry." He said, "So what's special about you? What do you have to offer?" And I couldn't answer it. I couldn't answer that question. It was a great thing to think about. And say all thousand of you are talented and attractive. So now what are you going to bring that's different? So then I decided for myself, well, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be one of the smartest people in the room. I mean, not to mean that I have the smartest, the highest intellect, but I'm going to have, I'm going to understand the story. I'm going to be able to argue points for my character. I'm going to be able to, I'm going to come in saying, what about this? What What if this? I'm going to bring much more than I thought I was supposed to. Just bring my headshot and my little outfit, and I'm a girl, and I'm this, and I'm whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. But then if you add that, it's like, well, but I'm not, it's not, so it's not just that. It's, I'm a physical person who has all of that. And how is that specific? And what does that bring? You know, the thing that people always say to you when you're a young actor, just be yourself. That would blow, I, I have no idea what people are talking about. It's like, well, but what? What is that? Yeah. 
but what that is is the specificity that we you know that you're you're a competitive swimmer mm-hmm. you're a physical person so you know more about your body than anybody and you know about the particular ways you know what it can do what it can't and you have this vocabulary this range of discipline that you bring that people don't have mm-hmm. so you and a thousand other guys competing for the same role they might might not be able to take that and bring the uh, the understanding of physical discipline that you could put on a stage or on an apparatus or bring something to life in a physical improv or with a set piece or a kind of fear, confidence, or an ability to be able to envision a physical life or a character because mm-hmm. you have it mm-hmm. and bring that to the table that maybe no one else has suggested. I, I never thought to look at it that way. If there's a thousand guys in the room... And they all look just like it, which happens all the time. I walk in, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I, I didn't realize it. I thought I was unique. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. Yeah. It's like, so horrible. Are you wearing the same watch as me, man? Jesus like, bro, those are my shoes. Like, Shit. Yeah. Uh, and they use, we, we talk the same. We use the uh-huh. same, like, uh, it's, I have a really specific story I can tell you later where, like, literally, I watched a guy walk in and have verbatim the same exact conversation with the receptionist. And I was like, Oh my god! Oh my! I gotta like yeah. I gotta wrap my head around this. Yes. <laughs> so so there is. I want, I want to ask one more thing before we kind of wrap up. Yes. Um and uh, I'm fascinated by this because we have a lot of listeners on the show, um, typically men who who call in or write in and they say. Um, I, I've come across a lot of difficulty in this industry because of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. I, I run into a lot of, um, obstacles. I'm treated differently. I'm not cast as such and such because people know this about me mm-hmm. and how much do I hide? How much do I not hide? And it's always, mm-hmm. um, heartbreaking and fascinating and, um, a million other things to kind of field these, this topic. And I know, at least on your Wikipedia page, now I don't know how accurate it is, but um, it says it says that you refer to yourself as omnisexual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, and, and in your films, obviously, mm-hmm, you deal with some of those mm-hmm. op- those subjects as well, in mm-hmm. both the gymnast and the marine mm-hmm. story. So, um, what has your experience been like? Uh, it's r- so complex. I so here's an interesting thing. When I said that I believe I am omnisexual, I do think sexuality is fluid. There's I've never seen anything in my life that that uh, that speaks differently. I am attracted to men. And that's been my predominant experience in life. The reason I said that back in, you know, whatever interview it was was for the gymnast because there were so many questions about sexuality that drove me crazy because to me the because I saw our movie being pushed into this this niche. And in my frustration to try to grapple with how to talk about it, I said, you know, I was like, what is the fascination with what I am? Because it was like, are you straight or gay? What are you? And I was like, I'm going to say you don't get to define me because this is what I believe, first of all. But what the, but the strange thing about that is I'm straight, but I found myself in the unique position of having to out myself as a straight person. <laughs> And my brother, who is, is gay, amazing. was like, and my the composer of our film, who is gay, there was a certain point in the Marine story where it was like, don't ask, don't tell was like, we would joke about because it was like, okay, I get to, you know, I get to tell I'm straight. Is it okay for me to play a lesbian in a story? Wow. Is that, a, 
What a weird flip-flop. Bizarre and beautiful. Beautiful. Fucking beautiful. It's like, wait, I'm closeted. That's what I realized. I was like, my trying to grapple, and part of it was wanting to protect the movie, protect the gymnast, and to not alienate the audience, was to say what I believe. But it was also hedging in a way which was, I think, not addressing this other thing that really the underlying question was that is it's not okay for me to be a straight woman and portray a lesbian or for it to be a niche audience, but it is. It turns out it is. It's exactly like the age, age question. Wow. And I would say to people, it's, a, it's our fear. You know, our charisma and what makes us most exciting, I think, as people is the full embracing of how unique we are, which is just the truth. We just are. And actors who choose to be so vulnerable to the world, we just put everything fucking out there as targets. The whole pro, everything. And it's so brave and beautiful what actors do because it over and over and over again chooses to be insanely vulnerable in a way that why would any human do that? Because we want to express the human experience. Because we feel we have to. We have to. I have to express. I have to share my humanity in this way that I feel I have to. Storytelling, being people, being living people in front of people is a way to, uh, to remind everyone that we're the same. And that we suffer the same thing and we have the same joys. And so I really, with my best heart believe that really don't assume what someone's going to judge. Try not to take that into the room because there's all kinds of examples of people who've broken them, who have vital careers playing gay men playing straight. Uh, who's, who's playing Hedwig on Broadway now? Anyway, Doogie Howser. <laughs> right. Um, uh, Doogie. Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick yeah, Harris. Okay. So Neil Patrick Harris. So on that sitcom, he plays a kind of a womanizer. Uh, I don't I don't know if he was out when he started that show, but he's very out now. It hasn't hurt his career. Uh, and now he's playing Hedwig, and you, you will see what happens. You know, his career is very vital. He plays different, a range of characters. Will he be more uh, shoeboxed now that he's more sort of exuberantly out or, or taking? I don't know. But but you could argue that it hasn't hurt his career. Mm. I don't know though. But I would say that uh, any uh, question of our of who we are diminishes our, diminishes us. That's what I would say. Wow. And that if your heart, which is your love, which is your passion, which is the best part of us, if we have to try to negotiate fitting it into what we perceive someone else's idea of what it should be, we're already in such a tangle. How can we be a piece of who we are? Yeah. And that's so. That's what I would say. The same way I was crippling myself by thinking I couldn't acknowledge my age was the same crippling myself by thinking I couldn't acknowledge that I had this amazing physical thing to wow. go with my, my other training. Yeah. Which is, and me thinking that my sexuality or je- or preference, sexual preference as an actor would have, would somehow diminish this beautiful movie, which is all about supporting in a very holistic way. 
people's choices and who they love, then it's just me. It's just me making myself small. If if we want to live a creative life, we are the source of it. You're not going to be him. I'm looking at Lawrence Olivia on the wall. Mm -hmm. You're going to be you. I don't. I can't imagine he was able to bring that dynamism to so much by being someone else. It was a constant trying to who. What am I? Who am I? What kind of creature am I? Who's obviously insanely passionate and competitive and um, ambitious. And and plumbing those parts of ourselves that I think our culture teaches us are a little bit abhorrent and ugly to uh, explore in public. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, but we all have that. And yet we we live out maybe three or four percent of the vast creatures that we are inside. Mm -hmm. And so... I I worked with a Swedish director who said... Bjorn Melander. Lars Nureyan is a Swedish playwright who they equate to Eugene O'Neill. He writes very, uh, very dark, social, usually family-anchored uh, dramas. And um, Bjorn came to New York to uh, direct a stage reading of one of Lars's plays uh, to, in the hopes to kind of sw- uh, shed a little light on it. And he told there were three of us he would every day would somehow tell us how much he loved us and loved performers and loved actors and what i was saying to you before was completely from him how much love he had for actors and admiration and he said to us one day you mustn't try to act because your idea of what you are and what you're trying to control can never be as big, as vast as you are. You're so much bigger and more beautiful and more expansive than you can ever imagine. So if you try to act, make a decision about what you're putting on a certain moment, you, you, you're shortchanging everything. You have to just trust that you're too big. For you to even know. You know, it's so wonderful about that too, is it acknowledges the impossibility of our task. Yeah. It's just to say, it's just because it's like, you know, hey, Tony would say, do your best. Yes. <laughs> but just know that it's this thing that is never, you're never going to scrape the bottom of it. No. You're never going to get there because it's that, it's that big. Too big. It's too That's big. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, we have two questions we'd like to wrap up with, okay. with all our guests. Yes. Um, and I love these questions because they always get really interesting answers. Um, and the first question is... Um, did this? Do you feel that this path that you've taken over the past few decades chose you, or did you choose it? Oh wow! Um, well, I would say one thing continuously led to the other. That the one question kept leading to the next because I was determinedly putting my energy toward having a creative life uh, at every turn. And the turns being the challenges of how to make a living, how to do this, how to do with this, deal with this disappointment, how can I take opportunity, how can I take this opportunity, how can I, um, how can I leap toward a field that, I, that I'm basically discovering and creating, like aerial choreography for pop tours. Yeah. It sort of didn't exist. So I didn't have a roadmap. So it was all opportunity. So, but then I kept discovering I was good at it, but then I had to 
apply myself in different. So it's a constant, I would say it constantly cycles. Did I choose it or did it choose me? Keeps flip-flopping because the, did it choose me is the opportunity, but the opportunity wouldn't have come if I hadn't focused myself toward those skills. And the second question is, uh, and you may have answered this, but if you could distill your journey, your victories, your pitfalls, your uh, mistakes, your um, happenings, whatever whatever it is, the entire journey, if you could distill that into one nugget of advice to pass on to someone just starting out, what would that nugget of advice be? Fight tooth and nail, nail to figure out how who you are and how to communicate it. And that's they they're they're circular too because they're going to keep feeding back on right. themselves because yeah. you're going to keep figuring out who you are and it's going to keep affecting how you communicate it that's so perfect because that's 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 what i think is so attractive about art to so many people is that it, it's it's life there's no um there's no distinguishing you, you can't yeah. say like oh i go to my job as an accountant and then I come home and I live my life. It's mm-hmm. like art. It's, it, it's, there's, it's just part of the experience. And it's eating and it's working out yeah. and it's loving and it's friendship and it's bill paying and mm-hmm. it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. <laughs> we get to pull on all of it. Yeah. yeah. Dre, this has been so wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. It's so fun. Thank yeah. you. I Thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. Thank um, you for doing this. What a cool thing. If people want to learn more about you um, and find out what's, what's, uh, what's going on I have on a tragic world. website, but you can email me from it. It's okay. just a video of some aerials. Um, I'm working on that. I have Facebook pages, which I'm much more active on. Okay. And uh, I try to put projects that I'm working on up cool. there. Sweet. So we'll make sure we link to all those on our on our website, so people listening and like to learn more can okay. stalk you that way. <laughs> um, and then, lastly, uh, what's next? I saw on your IMDb page that you've got something that you're working on uh, now, or at least it's in post production. Or yeah, there's a film in po- post production uh, called Raven's Touch, and we're deep in that process. And then I'm working on this live show called a. Uh, Club Seduce, which is going to be in Culver City. Yes. Oh, it's here in Culver City? Yeah, it's in Culver City. uh, So there. Yes, two weekends, (laughs) the middle two weekends in May. And it's going to be, it's original music. It's one of these little stories that that I've been writing recently, past couple years. So aerials and music and interaction and booze and sex and... It sounds like a good night. (laughs) (laughs) Very strong bodies. Yes. Cool. It's a perfect night. Cool. Well, maybe um, if you if you when you have the information, we can uh, blast it out to our listeners okay. and get some people over there. For okay, you. Yeah. that would be great. Love to check it out. That'd be great. Cool. Well, thank you again, Dre. This has been you. wonderful. Thank you, Travis. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed. Part three of Trevor's interview with Dre Weber, although now we as uh, listeners and, and Trevor as interviewer get to say goodbye to this interview. And I'm, I'm so sorry, Trevor. Uh, I, I love you and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> it is it is a little tragic. I, I miss her. Yeah. 
Uh, I should say though that she's got a show coming up here in Culver City. She's doing. A, she talked about it in the interview, but she's got a, a, like a burlesque uh, show that she's, I believe, um, co-written or co-produced or somehow involved uh, on the kind of creative side with. Um, and that's going to be the, the middle two weekends of May, I believe. So stay tuned to our Twitter page, our Facebook page, things like that. And um, we'll post info about that as soon as we know. And I think it'd be really cool if we if we showed up as a, as a community, <laughs> there's the word again, uh, to support Drea and uh, what she's doing. And it, it's so close right here in Culver City. So I think it'd be cool. That's awesome. It, it, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a theater show or what's the... Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. it's live theater, and I believe it's like a burlesque thing. And she she mentioned it at the very end of the interview. There, she said it's it's going to be a fun night. <laughs> a lot of like body humor, I think, is kind of what's going to be going on. What's your pick <laughs> of the week, my friend? Uh, my pick of the week is a book called The Way of the Superior Man by David Data, and I think that's Data D E I D A, not Data as in. Brent Spiner from Star Trek data. Uh, and I think the uh, the subtitle is something like A Spiritual Guide to Mastering the Challenges of, of Women Work and Sexual Desire or something like that. And it's clearly a book written for men, but that's not to say that women won't really um, find a lot of material in, in there that resonates with them. I, I, I have a couple friends, women friends who've read this book and they're all like, Oh my God, I love that book. He totally gets the way the male female dynamic works. And, um, you know, we've done, you and I have both done some, some training, some trainings with, uh, MITT in this arena as well around relationships and the, the dynamic between men and women and, and how we function in the world and complement each other, uh, energy wise. And this book really articulates some stuff that, that for me were a total, total game changer. Like just understanding that this is the way men are and oh my God, I'm that way and this is why. And evolutionarily speaking, this is the purpose it served and it complements a woman's energy or a feminine energy in this way. And that's why I've had these problems in my relationships and that's why these things have really, you know, worked great in the past. And it's it's just a, a really great, great noodle bake I should say that he's a little bit um, wordy and poetic at some points. There are some sentences where I, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit at the at the way he phrases it. But uh, clearly, the guy knows what he's talking about, and the the book as a whole is is a five star review for me. So, "Way of the Superior Man" by David Data, I believe I'm saying his name correctly, uh, and there's a link for it on our website. Sweet. My pick of the week is uh, a, a book as well called Pirate Latitudes by my favorite author, Michael Crichton. And oh, the, shit. the reason that th- this is such an interesting pick for me is because I've discovered through, well, it, it says it in the, um, I think the jacket of the, of the book, but I also just went online and sort of did some research um, after discovering the book. Which I found, by the way, at a thrift store (laughs) for like $3. It was sitting on a shelf, and I was like, I've never heard of that book, and I'm a big Michael Crichton fan. Like, why have I never heard of this? I picked it up, and I bought it, and um, what happened was they they published the book posthumously. Because for those of you who uh, may not know uh, who Crichton is or or, um, have ever read his stuff um you know he's probably most famous for the jurassic park uh series but um i mean he created er 
Yeah. He uh, wrote Jurassic Park. He wrote Sphere. He wrote uh, Congo. He wrote Disclosure. I mean, there's so many of his books that have been turned into films and television shows, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But uh, he died uh, uh, several years back, um, which was obviously very sad for, for people like me who are fans of him because it's like, oh, we're not going to get any more you know, uh, uh, stuff from his <laughs> brilliant, brilliant mind. Yeah. But they published this posthumously. They literally found this transcript in his files after his death when they were like going through his computer and stuff after mm. he passed away. And it, it's just, it's such a weird concept to me that, you know, like, oh, he passed away and like, let's, okay, let's go in, let's clean up his estate. And there's an entire book here that was never released and it's done. It was complete, complete transcript, ready to be published, but it just never was. And they published it and in some sort of poetic full circle thing, uh, Steven Spielberg is actually interested in turning it into a film. And he's who turned, obviously, Jurassic Park into a film and made that a, a mega massive hit. So yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's just like this really interesting full circle poetic thing that happened. And, you know, he's, Michael Crichton's no longer with us. And um, and the book's great. I, I'm, I'm talking about the story behind it and, and not even really mentioning yeah, the... I was, uh, was going to say, what's it about? The book itself. But it's about pirates. It's it's a book about pirates. Like, it's, like it, Captain Phillips type pirates? L- no, like our, like back in, you know, it takes place... <laughs> <laughs> okay. It takes place. It takes place in 1665. It takes place in the 17th century oh, cool. in uh, Port Royal in uh, Jamaica, and uh, he he combines uh, actual, real um, places and 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 even sort of events and certainly politics with fictional people, fictional places, fictional events, um, and. Uh, it's you know it's 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 very Crichton esque where you know in the beginning he sets up all of these really great characters and and great situation and then it be, and then it just turns into an action movie on on paper and it's just like flying you know a mile a minute. So many people on the East Coast in New York or, or otherwise have been supportive of of Heather's and come out to see me. And I've gotten an opportunity to meet some of those people. And uh, as Trevor just mentioned, I did go to the New York actor tweet up, which was also an interesting uh, experience for me because I've go- I've been going to the L.A. actor tweet up for so long. And um, and what was really weird about the whole thing was that Ben Whitehair was actually in town yeah. um, and and went to the New York actor tweet up and uh that was one of the reasons he he came on this particular weekend and so i got to meet some of the people from the new york actor community who i know from the podcast and and from twitter and stuff like that so um i first just want to give a shout out to james samank who came to see heathers and uh i didn't realize that he is a ucla alum and went to school with some of the other people in in my cast and um, at the tweet up, I met uh, uh, Aaron Kronikin, who's a huge, you know, uh, Twitter. Like, I mean, she's always tweeting about acting and stuff on yeah. on on Twitter, um, and she's part of the force behind the New York actor tweet up. 
Um, I also met uh, Tom, who has literally been listening to our podcast from the very beginning. Um, he was he was freaking out because he's like, this is a really weird experience for me because I feel like I know so much about you. Um, but what was awesome about it is he's not even an actor. He's an animator. He's uh, he's writing a comic book right now. And he I mean, it was it was such a humbling experience because he he said he, he said he listens to the podcast for the reason that Trevor, I think you and I now do the podcast, which is that it inspires him. Hmm. He's not an actor and he's not he's not interested in being an actor, but he is interested in the content, but he's mostly uh, inspired by, you know, our sort of encouragement and empowerment and what we talk about from week to week. So I've just met several people, not only at the show, but also at the tweet up, like I said, and I've, I've gotten messages from people who haven't yet um, come, including Deborah Smith, who's one of our patrons and our patron of the week, which I'll just, segue right into right into that so our, our patron of the week is uh, is michael Pauly, um who also messaged me on facebook and said that that he'll be coming to check out heather's so cool. just a big just a big love fest from me to all of these uh, amazing listeners and i'm so humbled and grateful you have no idea everyone who i meet in person is is always so nice and they're like so they're so blown away by by meeting me after listening for so long, and I'm like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. You're making my day. You are making my day, my night, my week. Like this is my pleasure. But I do want to just uh, talk quickly about Michael because I think he's got a really impressive kind of blurb here for the for the patron thing. I mean, he's an, not only is he an actor, but he's also a director a writer, a producer, a blogger, and the artistic director of the Hyperion Theater Company. And that theater company is based in New York, but it partners with Teatro Franco Parenti, which is, uh, I think, a, an Italian theater company, that, uh, and together they bring American Shakespeare to Milan. And I think that is just the coolest thing in the world uh yeah he's he's rocking it out yeah he's really he's like he's he's not playing around you know (laughs) so his website is uh is on our is linked on our website but it's michaelrpauli.com and uh we'll make a make sure we linked to uh his theater company as well i'm looking at their page right now and it's really pretty cool um what they do so michael thank you so much for your support man it's an honor to have you as a listener and uh really um really kind of in awe of what you do it's it's awesome man oh you know we did get a, uh, a really nice donation from a listener named scotty uh scotty if you're listening thank you so much we shot you an email just to thank you as well but we wanted to give you a shout out here too um there are a lot of um things that we are working on behind the scenes and we're we're actively building our team and we've been having you know conference calls we're going to be um building a whole new kind of platform not new. I mean, the podcast isn't going anywhere, but we're really kind of exploring ways to add more value to the community. Um, and I'm really excited, but none of it's free. <laughs> so, I mean, I know I'm sinking a lot of my own money into it. And um, every dollar we get from listeners goes a long way towards building it out bigger, better, and faster, really, which is the key thing. Uh, we can only move as fast as we can fund it. So, uh, thank you so much, Scotty, for your contribution. And if you are listening to this, not just Scotty, but anybody, and you're thinking, you know what, this podcast is really valuable, and I think I'd like to uh, 
support it going forward, you know where to go. InsideActingPodcast.com, uh, uh, where you can donate on the right-hand side any amount from zero to a bazillion, or however much PayPal caps it at. Uh, or you can become a recurring monthly patron, like Michael, and uh, and support us on an ongoing monthly basis. And uh, that goes a long way. And uh, we're really excited to bring you some of this this new stuff we're working on. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitters, we're on iTunes's, we're on Actor Rateds, and we've also got a voicemail two one three two actors. That's two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. Don't be shy. Feel free to give us a call and leave us a voicemail. Um, with whatever you'd like to say. And, uh, and of course, you can always email us at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. If there's ever been a time where uh, listener donations will kick this podcast into super high gear, it is right now. Um, we are on the precipice of a, a completely new paradigm for the podcast and and to get to this next echelon um we we need every every dollar helps so um if you've uh, been putting it off for a while and you're like ah, i gotta get around to it uh now's the time click on whatever link on whatever device you are currently listening to the podcast on and um support us in making that happen true story awesome yes please well then, uh, I think that does it then for episode 140 for uh, Jen, our production coordinator, Scissor, our technical producer, uh, and all the other people we're bringing on board uh, behind the scenes, which includes uh, Gadali, our web and marketing um, kind of consultant, as well as Esteban, our app developer. I mean, hopefully this gives you guys an idea of kind of where we're headed. A lot of exciting things. Uh, all of us, thank you guys for tuning in, supporting us, and... Um, yeah, for all that, I'm, I'm Trevor Algod. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, pay it forward. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download.